blessing to you. Second Chronicles chapter 33. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But he did, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah's father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam, and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said in Jerusalem, Shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hanan. And he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirit and wizards. And he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I remove uh, the foot of Israel from out of the land, which I have appointed for your fathers, so that they will take key to do all, all that I have uh, commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes of the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought them upon them the captains of the hosts of the king of Syria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the Lord, before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him and he heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Now after this built he a wall out of the city of da without the city of David on the west side of Gahan in the valley even to the entering end of the fish gate and compassed about Ophel and raised it up a very uh, great height and put captains of war in all fenced cities of Judah. And he took away the strange gods and the idols out of the house of the Lord and all the altars which we had built in the mountain, the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed their own peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto God, and the words of the seers that spake in the name of the Lord God of Israel, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. His prayer also, and how God was entreated of him, and all his sin, and his trespass, and the places wherein he built high places, and set up groves, and graven images, before he was humbled, behold, they are written among the sayings of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Ammon's son reigned in his stead. Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh's father. For Ammon sacrificed all the carved images which Manasseh's father had made and served them, and humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh's father humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. And his servants conspired against him, 
and slew him at his own house. But the people of the land slew all them that conspired against the king Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. Appreciate the reading of God's word tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this text. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would touch us tonight. I pray, God, that you would touch our voice. And, Lord, uh, we don't need it to perform tonight. We need it to preach. And so, God, I pray that you would uh, just help us with that. And I pray, God, that we would not be difficult to listen to. uh, But, Lord, that you would help us. I pray, God, that you bless this text, these scriptures. Use it for thy glory. Blessing the service here a little bit later. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We come to this text. We note that Manasseh, he is the son of a great king, that being King Hezekiah. God used Hezekiah in a great way way uh, to bring revival to Israel. Hezekiah, when he became king, they found the book of the law and they began to repair the house of the Lord, tore down the altars, ran the sodomites out of town. They had revival. They cleaned up. I like one verse in, in Hezekiah's writing. He says he told them to carry the filth out of the house of God. Boy, we could preach on that. But how There's a lot of filth that's got in our churches that needs to be carried out. And thank God for a man like Hezekiah that said these things don't belong in the house house of God. These things don't belong in a place of worship. We need to carry this filth out of here. My, and I'm not preaching on that, but I could. Amen. I probably will sometime. We better get the filth of, of envy and jealousy and greed and unforgiveness and pride out of the church. Amen. That way it can be a place conducive for worship and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Hezekiah is now dead and the Bible teaches us in verse number 1 that Manasseh his son began to reign at the age of 12 years old. So I said, preacher, I can't imagine a 12-year-old being the leader of a nation. Have you seen what we have now? A 12-year-old being improvement, amen. It's exactly right. So I, I, this is not a shock to me whatsoever. And Manasseh reigned for some 55 years there in Jerusalem. But I want to, I read the whole chapter tonight, uh, because I want to deal with it. We won't deal with every verse like we've been doing in Esther, but I want to give you the full context of Manasseh's life. And I want to preach on this thought. It'll take me a few minutes to develop it, but I want to preach on this subject tonight. The damage has already been done. The damage has already been done. Let's walk through this chapter tonight, and, and, and really it's going to take me to get to the end of the chapter to make my application, but you hang with me and we'll, and, and we'll go. First of all, concerning Manasseh, I want us to note his conduct in verse number 2. The Bible said, But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Manasseh's name, if you look it up, it means causing to forget. Manasseh was a man that did not bring uh, Jerusalem closer to God but rather he drove them further away from God. And what a sad commentary on his life. I noted his conduct. Notice his practice. The Bible said he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. That word evil there, it means it gives the idea of wickedness. It gives the idea of rebellion. It means that God was displeased with the actions of Manasseh. I know 
notice his practice. He did evil. But then notice the perception. How did he do it? He done that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, Brother Tony, it may not have been evil in his friend's sight. It may not have been evil in the nation's sight. But when God looked at what Manasseh was doing, and when God considered Manasseh's sin, he said, that is wicked and that is evil. May I remind you, when God looks at our life, it don't matter if everybody else thinks it's okay. It don't matter if everybody else puts their approval on it. The Bible said to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him and his sin. The Bible said all that uh, that which is not of faith is sin. And I am reminded tonight that it doesn't matter if everybody else approves of it. If God does not approve of it, if it's not pleasing in the sight of God, it is a sin and it is wrong against God. His practice, his perception. But then notice the pattern. Watch how he done evil. Like unto the abominations of the heathen. He's not a heathen. He's a Jew. Uh, he, he is of that descendant. He's in that line, if you would, but he is living like the heathen in this text. And it's sad commentary when people who claim to be saved by the grace of God and they claim that Jesus lives on the inside of them and that their hope is in the gospel, but yet they live like the world and they dress like the world and they act like the world. I have a problem with that, and so does God. That is his conduct in verse number 2. But then notice his construction. Look at verse number 3, 4, and 5. The Bible said, For he built again the high places which Hezekiah's father had broken down. Watch his construction. He rebuilt some things. He rebuilt some things that needed, that did not need to be rebuilt, Brother Charles. In fact, the things that he... Boy, this is... And I could preach right here. The things that he rebuilt were things his daddy tore down. And boy, we can, there's a lot of things we could deal with there. But I'm telling you, when I'm seeing in my generation of preachers, there's a lot of them, they're going back to things that our forefathers fought for and stood for. I'm talking about religiously and even denominationally, but they're going back. Hey, I'm telling you, there's a reason that Harold Seidler and, 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 and Lee Robertson and, and, BR, and, and a lot of those old men come out of the Southern Baptist Convention. You know why them men came out of the Southern Baptist Convention back in the day? Because they were messing with this book. Well, whoop to the doo day. The convention is still messing with this book. You know why they came out of the convention back in the day? Because they messed with missions. And they took missions out of the local church and put it in the headquarters. And surprise, 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 that's what the convention is still doing now. I preach in some convention churches. There are some good men still in the convention. They are few and far between. I love men like Adrian Rogers. I love men like Percy Ray that were in the convention uh, and things of that nature were good, godly men. I understand that. But I tell you, I'm watching men in my generation leave good, independent, fundamental Baptist churches that are trying to stand for truth and right. And they're going right back to where those men brought us out of. And they paved the way for us only for them to rebuild what Hezekiah tore down. That may not mean nothing to you, but that's been in my crawl lately, amen. He rebuilt some things, but then notice he raised some things. Verse number 3, and he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. Not only did he tear down some things, uh, rebuilt some things, but then he, he reared, he raised up some altars. But then notice his rebellion in verse 4. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord is said in Jerusalem, shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. 
You know what he's doing? He's being rebellious against God. Open rebellion. I don't care what God says. I know this is God's house, but I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to act how I want to act. He has a rebellious heart. His conduct, his construction. Notice his children in verse number 6. The Bible said he calls his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hanan. And he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. And he wrought much evil on the side of the Lord to provoke him to anger. I'm talking about his children. And notice what he got his children involved in. He got them involved in idolatry. He got them involved in idolatry. Idol worship. Sounds like the, the men of God this morning dealt with idolatry and things being, I haven't got to listen to both messages yet, but things uh, being in our lives and being in things that, that come between us and the Lord and how, and, and, and I'm sure they said this, but anything that comes between you and the Lord and your passion for the Lord and it hinders you from serving God, that is an idol and that needs to be removed. But we see that, that, uh, that Manasseh, he got his children involved in idolatry. They're idolatry, but then they're involvement the bible said that he calls them to pass through the fire that was a heathen ritual it was a thing where he would run his children through that fire it was an act of the heathen it was wicked it was wrong psalm 106 talks about the children of israel how they sacrificed their children on the altars of devils boy are we not seeing that today People sacrificing their families, sacrificing their children on altars, on, on the altars of the devil. Notice the indignation. The Bible said he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he used enchantments, familiar spirits and wizards. You know what he got? He observed times. Like y'all reading your horoscope. Surely you don't read that trash. I guess some people do. Apparently, it got quiet right there. God don't want to plant my corn. Bless God, you plant it in the ground. That ain't hard. You Google it. Y'all read your horoscope. Got to see where your stars and you got your little almanac and all that stuff, observing times and all that kind of stuff. And, and you, I, I tell you, it's it's, it's wrong, amen. I, I, I brother Ron Garris years ago preached out in Colorado, and they and this has been many, many, many years ago, and uh, probably back in the eighties. And a lady came uh, to the pastor in that meeting where brother Garris was preaching and said, "Can I speak to you and your wife and the evangelist and his wife?" And they said, "Sure." And so they went back in the office. And this lady was some $20,000 in credit card debt but to the psychic hotline. Trying to find out her future. Trying to find things out. In an independent, fundamental, King James Bible preaching church. I'm telling you. Somebody said, what is, what is going to happen tomorrow? The Bible said, boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Amen. And a lot of people, they want to worry about tomorrow. But they're not doing anything for God today. Amen. Hey, you live for today. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a short time. And then vanisheth away. But, but uh, Manasseh got involved in all the spirits and familiar spirits and all that kind of mess and all that kind of trash notice his corruptness verse number 7 and 8 the Bible says and he carved and he set a carved image the idol which he had made in the house of God which God had said to David and he goes down there what God made that promise his corruptness what he did he disrespected God's house he brought things into God's house. He, dis he disrespected it and he defiled God's house. Here's how he'd done that. He brought things into the house of God that he knew didn't belong there. 
that he knew had no place being there, but he brought it in anyway. Why? Because he wanted to. Boy, we're not seeing that in the day and age we're living in. Not Maybe not necessarily here. By God's grace, I hope not here. But churches are, uh, as a whole across this country and, and across our movement, if you would, people bringing things in uh, and, and, and moving the pulpit out of the way and bringing in the, the smoke lights and the fog lights and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And Why? God ain't ordained any of that, but they want to make set the mood and they want to get everything right for, for the preaching and for the singing and they want to set the atmosphere. Hello? Defiled it and disrespected it. It's a sad commentary now, but a lot of places I go and preach, if I'm sitting on the front row and the choir goes up and saying, I have to bow my head. Because the way some of the ladies are dressed and young ladies are dressed. Amen. Can't, can't even look. I mean, having to read, having to look through your Bible the whole time while the choir is singing or while the special music is singing because you can't look up there. Hello? Ladies, your skirt needs to be below your knee when you're sitting down. Amen. That, that is the standard. That is what we, that's what we set here. Amen. I'm telling you, there's a standard. There's, there's, but um, sadly, the people have defiled it. So much flesh. And man, we need to actually look like we ironed our clothes and brushed our hair and tried to do something coming in. Amen. If you ain't got hair, do the best you can. Amen. At least shine your head up a little bit. Put some wax or something up there, all right? Make it shine. Amen. Wax on, wax off, whatever. I'm talking about put some effort in there. We're not, we're not going down. Hey, we're not made to the Father's house before the game. We're going to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to worship Him. But people have disrespected and defiled the house of God. His corruptness. Then notice his commentary. Look in verse number 9. So Manasseh, here's the commentary of Manasseh's life. Made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Two things in this verse. I notice his error. He made them to err. Why? He led them in that direction. And notice the estimation. And to do worse than the heathen. Did you see the digression in his life? Back in verse number 2, he was like unto the abomination of the heathen. But now in verse number 9, he's doing worse than the heathen. I tell you, there's things that go on in churches, and I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about across the board. And so I said, preacher, if it's not going on here, why are you preaching on it? Because the sin we don't preach against here will be the sin our church will fill up with. Amen. And sometimes you just gotta, you gotta weed eat the grass close to the house to keep the snakes away. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there are, there are churches that are covering up things. I talked about it Wednesday night, and hiding sin, and, and, and not dealing with things, and not calling the authorities, and not handling things. And that's not right. That's worse than the heathen. Worse than the heathen. Notice, notice his callousness in verse 10. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. They wouldn't hear the word of God and they wouldn't hearken to the word of God. I mean, do you see the Lord's mercy and long-suffering? He sent a word. No doubt he sent prophets. He sent men of God to, to challenge Manasseh on what he's doing. Manasseh said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. He got callous. Oh, may God help us when our heart gets callous to preaching. It gets callous where God can't deal with our hearts. I'm talking about all of us, including the preacher tonight. I notice his chastisement in verse number 11. Because, watch it now, do you see it in his life? Because he would not heed to the warnings. Watch what happened, verse 11. Wherefore the Lord brought upon the captains 
of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Because he would not respond to the word of God, God sent him chastisement. He was caught. Ain't this interesting? I read this this morning. I ain't got to study out like I want to. They took Manasseh among the thorns. Sounds like he was running. Sounds like he's in the woods to me, Brother, Brother William. It sounds like he's on the run and they finally caught up with him. You're not going to outrun God's judgment. He was caught. He was chained. The Bible said they bound him with fetters. He was carried. And he was captive. Why? Because he would not hear the word of God. His chastisement. But look, his, look at this, number eight. His consideration. Verse 12 and 13. Now this, is, this is a blessing to me. Watch this now. And when he was in affliction... He besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Manasseh's consideration, watch this, it involved his affliction. When he was in affliction, you know what that chastisement did? It brought affliction and it brought Manasseh to a point in his life when he considered his ways. By the way, that's the purpose of God's correction in our life. Affliction. Notice he took action. He besought the Lord as God. His attitude. And humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. His asking, verse 13, and prayed unto him. This is the same guy that made Judah do worse than the heathen. But watch, he got an answer and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Here's the affirmation. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Praise God, Manasseh got right with God. He, he got in captivity. God chastised him. But I'll tell you, he got in that point and he humbled himself before God and he called out to God and said, God, I'm so sorry. I have done worse than the heathen. I'm not worthy of your mercy. God, would you please forgive me? And aren't you glad God had mercy on Manasseh? Aren't you glad God heard Manasseh's cry? Aren't you glad God heard of Manasseh's plea? And God brought him back. Watch this confirmation, verse number 14. Here's some confirmation that he got right with God. Look at verse number 14. Y'all still with me? Now, after he had built the wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even in the entry in the fish gate and compassed around Ophel, he raised up a very great height and put captains of war of all the fenced cities of Judah. Here's how I know he got right. He got some protection in his life. What he did, he built walls. He built a wall. He, he raised up a wall. You know what he did? He said, I, I don't want the heathen coming in. But watch this. Protection. And then notice purification. Verse number 15. And he took away the strange gods and the idol of the house of the Lord and all the altars he had built in the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. You know what he did? He removed idols. He got those idols out. And then notice his prayer in verse 16. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed their own peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. That is confirmation that Manasseh got right with God. Ain't that a blessing? But I preached all night to get to this 10th point and I'm done. We've looked at his conduct. We've looked at his construction, his children, corruptness, his commentary, the callousness, 
chastisement, consideration, confirmation. But there's contamination. Even though Manasseh got right with God, even though Brother Caden, he humbled himself, got right with God, built the wall of separation, repaired the altar of supplication, got, got the idols out of the house of God for sanctification. Watch two things. There was an absence from the sanctuary. Verse 17. Nevertheless, the people did still sacrifice, sacrifice still in the high places. Yet unto the Lord, their God only. Remember what I'm preaching on tonight? The damage is already done. Manasseh got right with God. But the damage has already been done. If we're not careful, and God is a God of mercy. And God is a God of restoration. But you can't sin and get by. There is forgiveness. Amen. Y'all with me? There is restoration. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse from all righteousness. But I'm going to let you know something, folks, tonight. There are consequences for sin. The damage has already been done. So I said, Preacher, they're, they're sacrificed to the Lord, but notice it wasn't the will of God for them to sacrifice in the high places. The high places were the place for the idols and for idolatry. You know what they said? All right, we'll worship God, but we're not going down to that church. Absence from the sanctuary. And then notice the acts of his son. Verse 21. Ammon was 20 and 2 years old when he began to reign. He reigned in 2 years in Jerusalem. But he did what was evil on the side of the Lord. As did Manasseh's father. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh's father had made and served them. And humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh's father had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. And his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. But the people of the land slew all them and conspired against the king. And Ammon and the people of the land made Josiah king, uh, uh, made his son king in his stead. Here's, what I, here, here, here's my burden. And I'm done. Manasseh got right with God. Thank God he did. But sadly the damage had already been done. All of Judah had seen how he'd lived and how he'd ruined his testimony. And even though there was forgiveness for him, and even though we got right with God and God brought him back and he confirmed, somebody said, well, he never got, really got right with God. I believe he did. I believe that's what the Scripture's telling us. But the damage had already been done. You can't unhatch eggs. You can't, you can't, you can't go back and change that stuff. He calls an absence from the sanctuary, and we see the acts of his son. His son didn't humble himself like Manasseh did. His son didn't have the same respect and reverence for God that Manasseh did. In fact, it ended to, Manasseh, to uh, Ammon, his son, being assassinated by some of his own men. God can change things and situations and circumstances. But often, Brother Richie, he don't change consequences. That's what we don't like sometimes. We think, well, I've got right with God, so everything's going to be okay now. No, there's still consequences for sin. <laughs> still consequences. So, in light of all that, we need to consider a few things. First of all, we need to consider our conduct. How are we living? Are we doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord? We ought to consider our choices. What decisions are we making? 
We ought to consider the course that we're on. Where are we going with these decisions? But we need to consider our children. I wrote this down and I'm done. I wrote this down. I had to scratch it out and change it because I believe I needed to. I had wrote down what we do today will affect our children tomorrow. But here's, what, here's, what, here's the truth of it. What we, do today, what we do today or what we don't do today, either way, will affect our children today and tomorrow. I'd hate to know. And I know nobody's perfect, okay? You've you got to clarify that. But I'd hate to know I had things in my life and I lived my life in such a way that I got right with God, Brother Richie. I, I got my heart right. But the damage had already been done. I'd ruined my testimony. And I'd hurt my family. I'd hurt my church. I'd hurt my children. Why? Because the damage had already been done. Solemn warning tonight. May God help us to consider our ways. Consider our walk. Consider the way we're living our life. Make decisions now. Hey, dads, moms, dads, consider our ways. What, are, what is our children involved in? What are they doing? Where are they going? What are they wearing? What are the things, what are the things in their life? It's a whole lot easier to start changing those things now. Because the older they get, the harder it gets. Can I, can I be blunt with you tonight? If there are activities, if there is attire, if there are things you don't want your child doing or wearing or talking or watching when they're 15, 16, 17 years old, don't let them get involved in it now. Because when they hit 15, 16, 17, 18, you may, get, you may get them out of it, but you'll never get it out of them. It took Moses about, what, two weeks to get the children of Israel out of Egypt? It took him 40 years to get Egypt out of the children of Israel, though. You know why? It's just in them. Just in them. So we better start young with our children. I know I preach. And can I say this to the parents whose children are already grown? I'm not overlooking y'all. I, I'm really not. I don't, I don't overlook y'all like, like y'all are not important in this church. You are very important. But if you could see what I see when I look over this congregation. And if you've got children that are grown and you've got grandbabies, you ought to be amen to me and say, Preacher, you're right. There ain't no perfect parents. Even that guy in Luke 15 wasn't a perfect parent. He favored the younger son over the elder. First time the younger son cried, he gave him everything he wanted. Elder son got upset. He went out there and argued with him. So you ought to be in there and be happy for him. Favoritism. We preached about that last Sunday night, I think it was, on, with Jacob and Esau. I'm telling you tonight, better consider. Consider. Because I don't want to cause the damage already be done in my life. would hurt my family. And in the end, not only just my children, but my church. Hurt my church. Take me off a live stream there, boys. Men, I'm sorry. I didn't call you boys. Make you feel young. <laughs> Give me this, and, I'm, and I, I don't, I don't want to say this online. 